The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to listen to Jesus, but the Pharisees and scribes began to complain, saying, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So to them, Jesus addressed this parable. A man had two sons, and the younger son said to his father, Father, give me the share of your estate that should come to me. So the father divided the property between them. After a few days, the younger son collected all his belongings and set off to a distant country where he squandered his inheritance on a life of dissipation. When he had freely spent everything, a severe famine struck that country, and he found himself in dire need. So he hired himself out to one of the local citizens who sent him to his farm to tend the swine. And he longed to eat his fill of the pods on which the swine fed, but nobody gave him any. Coming to his senses, he thought, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food to eat? But here am I, dying from hunger. I shall get up and go to my father, and I shall say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as you would treat one of your hired workers. So he got up and went back to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father caught sight of him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But his father quickly ordered his servants, quickly bring the finest robes and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Take the fattened calf and slaughter it. Then let us celebrate with a feast, because this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. Then the celebration began. Now the older son had been out in the field, and on his way back, as he neared the house, he heard the sound of music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what this might mean. The servant said to him, Your brother has returned, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf, because he has him back safe and sound. He became angry, and when he refused to enter the house, his father came out and pleaded with him. He said to his father in reply, Look, all these years I served you, and not once did I disobey your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat to feast on with my friends. But when your son returns, who swallowed up your property with prostitutes, for him you slaughter the fattened calf. He said to him, My son, you are here with me always. Everything I have is yours. But now we must celebrate and rejoice, because your brother was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. The Gospel of the Lord. Such a powerful parable that Jesus gives. And, you know, I think it's worth spending a lot of time on this in, in meditation and in prayer. Um, I, will, I do want to give just a couple of uh, thoughts uh, to help orient us to, to what Jesus is, is actually doing here and not just what, I don't know, we, we hear and perhaps is, is not exactly um, on point, on message. Um, Jesus is talking, we see, um, to the scribes and the Pharisees, yeah, to, to the scribe, to the Pharisees and the scribes, Jesus addressed this parable. Where do you think they are in the parable? Yeah, exactly. Thank you, sister. It, they're the older son. I think this is like scandal of all scandals. I still, I still remember this when I was in CCD 
years and years ago. And the director of religious education stood up with this parable and he said, I, I really feel like the older son. That's horrible. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I mean, you want the Pharisees leading your religious education programs? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't think so. They kind of miss the point. You know, it's like, yikes. Okay, um, more Jesus-like figures, please. We have to pray for them. I think. <laughs> um, that's my roundabout way of saying. Don't settle for being the older son. Do you know? Like we read the parable and go. I kind of feel like the older son. That's not good. That's not good at all. There might be a couple of good things in there, right? Our, our devotion, our dedication to God or whatever, but go back and read what he says to the father, right? I've slaved for you, right? I've slaved. The father is there, you know, crying out to him, wanting him to come into the party as well. I mean, this is, I think, for me, the most surprising part of this scene is actually Jesus' compassion of the, of the parable. Because he's telling this to them, right? He's, he's using the parable for the purposes of, let's go, like, come in, join the party that's happening. And, uh, and it, although we kind of left without a resolution as to whether or not the the elder son enters the party, I think we probably all have the feeling that he doesn't. If he does, he only does so begrudgingly. You know, and this is, this is hardness of heart of the sort that we don't want anything to do with. So we have to allow God, I think, to, um, to warm our hearts, do you know, to, uh, uh, to, give, us, uh, to give us hearts that, that praise him, uh, that thank him for all his all his works, you know, all the tremendous deeds that he does, we want to see. So I'll say this, I mean, we have the parable, yeah, I know it's, it's, it's a long parable, right? There's a lot, and, you know, you're saying it's Saturday morning, it's, it's snowing outside, you know, he, he probably thinks he has an hour <laughs> to preach this, you know. I, I really don't want to, uh, I'm not going, I'm not going to, um, but even like just look in the just every part of the parable, I think you see the father's generous love, like every every little piece where he where he comes out. Um, the son, right? Th this would have been totally um, inconceivable to people of Jesus's day. I think I think for us, because our kids leave and they go off places and whatever, we don't really have the f the same frame of reference that that they do. But here, the younger son, father, give me the share of. of your estate, that should come to me. This deserves a beating. Yeah? This is the way they would have heard it. Okay? So that's like the first line of the parable, do you know? And everybody would have expected, he's going to beat him. You know? <laughs> he cannot let that stand. And what is he? He doesn't do that at all. You know, he, the father suffers that. He suffers that slight or that, I mean, in part, right, there are a couple things going on. One is that he's saying, you know, if you were dead, you know, then I would get half, your, half of this anyway. Just give it to me now. I don't, like, you're, in this sense, like, you're dead to me, or I don't care whether, you know, like, I, 
It doesn't, just give me what, give me what's mine. Of course, it's not his, but give me what's mine, yeah? And it's deserving of a beating. He doesn't, he doesn't beat him. He divides his property. Then the younger son sells it, right? Where, where you have, of course, more of an agrarian setup, you're taking like, okay, the farmland, whatever, and you're splitting that in two. And then someone else is moving in. And he owns that, and he owns that land because the younger son sold it to him. And then the father and the older son have to live with half their land with this person who bought their land. You know what I mean? It's like this is this this is not like the way that we conceive of it. You know, like I've got a bank account and I'll give him half, and I, I perhaps don't even notice that that it's gone. And what you know, like it's it's not it's not that kind of thing at all. And what does the father do? He, I mean, he's, he, he suffers that patiently and with, with inconceivable generosity. Yeah, and then, and then he goes off and, and he comes back. He comes back, the father's running to see him, totally undignified, you know, totally unacceptable. But he does. He's, he's spurred on by who he is. And he goes out to meet him. Now, well, let's move on from that. Yeah, the um, the, the father is, is an amazing figure in this parable. But what, what is happening also in this parable when the younger son comes back and then also the, um, the pleading with the, with the elder son, this is, that's Jesus. That's Jesus in the parable, right? Because what's happening... Um, around Jesus and uh, by, by people's turning to God through Jesus, right? It, by the gospel that he is preaching, by his works of, of healing and restoration and the like, people who are dead are coming to life. Yet yeah? the resurrection is happening all around him. People who are dead are coming to life. And this is, the, this is the younger son's journey back from exile. Right? He's being restored to the father and to the father's house. This is the great, this is the great promise that Israel was, was expecting and anticipating. It's, it's the day that they longed for, that they yearned for. And it's happening there in Jesus. It's happening. People who are dead are coming to life again. And the Pharisees want nothing at all to do with it. Doing nothing at all to do with it. Because the kingdom of God is for them. It's not for the other. Do you know? It's a, it's a matter of their growing their own power, prestige, fortune. Also, you know, okay, give it to them psychologically, safety, comfort, right? They've got the plan that will, that will see them through to the other side, whatever, whatever that means, you know, like they're safe, they're secure. You know, they're, that's their plan. They're executing on it. And he's not, he's not doing it right. And the people that he's gather, gathering around him are not the right people, right? He's not working in line with their agenda. He's messing it all up. He's messing it all up. And he's going to get them all into trouble. Yeah, you, you, we see this not only with, with Jesus, right? Remember the one man sacrificed for the nation, but also you see it with St. Paul. 
Wherever he goes, there's a riot. There's, there's a reason why. He, he's messing up their safe space. The Romans, the Romans are, are okay to give the Jews some kinds of, ex, of exemptions on, on the practice of their own kind of religious and devotional life. But this Christian thing is out of control. And it's threatening, it's threatening those exceptions that are carved out for them. So it's, it's threatening all of the Jews everywhere what Jesus is doing and what the, what the early church is doing. Yeah. So, but the challenge is, of course, they're not being who God has called them to be. The Israel of Jesus' day is not, is not except in him and through him is not Israel. It's not salt of the earth. It's not light of the world. It's not, they're not living out the promise that, that God made to Abraham, that, that through him and his, um, and his descendants, uh, blessing would be brought to, to the entire world. They're not doing that. Yeah? And what's happening in Jesus is actually he's enacting the agenda of God. And dead people are coming to life there. I have to, I have to say this. And I, don't, I really don't know how to talk about some, some of this stuff. And I think, I don't know, I need, I need help trying to figure out how to say it. But this kind of activity actually is happening here. It's happening in our parish. And I think it's not met with the kind of um, single-hearted uh, or minded or um, uh, kind of unanimous cheers of rejoicing here either. Like as we, as we grow into our life, as a parish, as a... As a um, as this kind of local incarnation of the body of Christ, as we grow into that life for the other, there needs to be, of course, among us, the heart of celebration for the mighty works of God. And there's, and there's still a bit of grumbling. I don't, really, I don't really know about that kind of attitude that's really quite devastating for a community. I'm not going to, it's not off-putting because I anticipate it. Whenever the works of God go forward, you have people kind of like sitting in skepticism going, hmm, I don't know. I prefer it the other way. You know, like I prefer it in that sense. I prefer it the dead way where we had the things that we liked and we have the things that we wanted and no one's messing them up. You know, like, no one's making my, no one is making my existence uncomfortable. Okay? And we have lots of little points of emerging discomfort around here. That's great. You know, that's great. Kind of shake us out of our own complacency. God will allow that to happen. God wants that to happen. Because he wants us to be a people who are, uh, whose identity is only that we love and that we exist for the other. That's the shakeup that Jesus is doing, right? So if we were to see any part of our own kind of organization as a body, right, our own kind of local incarnation of the body of Christ, if we were to see any part of the organization that isn't for the other, right, that isn't expressive of the radical generosity of God, then we have to, we have to work there. 
You know, if we see any part of our organization that's self-aggrandizing, right? Like, hey, look how good we are. Aren't we so good? And yeah, hey, look how, how rich we are here and how blessed we are here and the rest. In any place where we're not, we're not eager to give ourselves away for the good of the other, we have issues because we're the older son and likely we're using the things of God for our own purposes. And we're not using them for, for his purposes, the purposes of, of radical generosity, the purposes of, of deep and sincere blessing. Yeah, so anyway, this is, I didn't mean to turn it into a lecture, but this is a, it's, important. it's important for us. What's important for us as well, in order to kind of live up to the challenge that, and the challenge is that we will always face, you know, some churches, I have to, sorry, I've got to go back into it. The, <laughs> you know, there, there are churches that, of course, don't face challenges. Yeah, the, like the, we, have the, we, we are being blessed by the challenges of growth. And some of those things make people uncomfortable, right? But what do you want? Do you want to be, do you want to be a dying church, you know, or you want to be a crying church? There's really only two options that you, that you have. So I personally would prefer to not be a dying church. So this is, but this is it, right? Churches, some churches don't have challenges. And it's probably because they're already dead. So, but in order for us to now live into, you know, the, the call, as it were, in order, in order for us to be who we are, it, the task actually is very simple. The task is to praise God. Yeah, it's to praise God and to, to adore him, to love him and to honor what he's doing that we could never do for ourselves. We could never stir up for ourselves. He's, he's the author of it. And, you know, woe to us if we're, we sit off and, and complain about what God is doing. Yikes. Yikes. Yeah, but, but really, praise God. We, the, more, the more we praise God, the more we are, the more we will honor him for what he's doing, and the more sincere our love will be for each other. And that's what he's calling us to, yeah, to, to strengthen um, the, the household of the faith, as St. Paul says, right, to love each other with deep and sincere love, and to be also then an expression of God's love for, his, for the wider world. We have to pour ourselves out for the other. If we don't, we'll find ourselves in the position of the younger brother squandering everything or the older brother also squandering everything. Right? The younger brother taking everything from God, using it for our own purposes and losing everything. Losing everything because that was our goal. It would be the older son on the, on the outside of the whole celebration. I don't want to go in. I don't want to go in. I don't like this kind of thing, <laughs> you know? <laughs> okay, but it's praise of God that, that enlivens our hearts. It's sincere, true, authentic prayer. It's heart to heart with him. And as he gives us a, as he gives us a heart to praise him and to, and to honor him, then our hearts likewise are, are expanded to love with the same generous love Jesus proclaims in every page of the gospel story.